0: The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near West of Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. All right, so we are in the Gospel of John. We're going to be looking at John chapter 1, verses 15 through 18 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1, verses 15 through 18. Begins this way. John bore witness about him and cried out. Now remember last week we just dealt with verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 15, now John, he bore witness about him. And it says he cried out. So the, John the Apostle said that John the Baptist, he bore witness about Jesus. And I think we brought it out uh, in a few weeks back in, from verse 6 that about testify. He bore witness about him. And the reality that to bear witness means to testify, but it means to testify to a truth of what one has seen, heard, or knows. And so, again, verse 6, it says that there was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he came as a witness to testify concerning Jesus. So he came to testify about what he saw, about what he heard, and about what he knew. Now think about this. So, you got to know that John had some inside stuff. John saw more than others. John heard more than others. John knew more than others, especially at that time when Jesus first comes on the scene. And so he's coming to tell them what he knew, what he heard, and what he saw. And moving on, and then it says that that he was... This was he of whom he said, talking about Jesus, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. Verse 16, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son who is at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Again, to remind us, John's whole purpose in writing is to testify that Jesus was the Messiah. And so John says, this is the one that I was talking about. This is the one that I said who's coming after me. And so... um, Think about Matthew chapter 3 where it says that um, all the people from Jerusalem, it says the people from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of the Jordan came out to see John. So as they're coming out to see John, John is being very purposeful going, whoa, whoa, just let me be clear about who I am and who I'm not, which we're going to get into next week when he's talking about the uh, Pharisees sending people to him to say, who are you? Because they thought, hey, are you the prophet? Are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? Who are you? And so all these, and I don't know the, the numbers, but it was huge numbers of people coming out to the wilderness to see who this John was. And John says... don't this isn't about me don't look at me what was his famous line he says he must increase and i must decrease because this whole period and pivotal moment in time is about jesus christ the messiah so as they were coming to him he says hey uh, this is about someone else, someone greater than me, someone actually who is before me. And specifically, this is about the promised Messiah. Now he says about Jesus, he says, uh, from, his, it, it, this, uh, f- uh, from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. And I th- got to thinking about that because fullness is, I think there's a twofold thing about the fullness. I think the idea of his coming, there was a fullness of time, there was this point in time that Jesus would manifest himself, but also about who he was, the fullness of who he was. He was God manifest in the flesh. But it says that he came, we talked about it last week, full of grace. He was full of grace and truth, and we talked about grace being that graciousness, that goodwill, loving kindness, favor, the merciful kindness of God. He was full of grace and truth. We learned that it was the unveiled reality of God the Father, who He is, His heart, His plans and His purposes. So he says, look, we have all received of Him. We've all benefited from that. I think it's a New Living Translation says it this way, we have all benefited from the rich blessing He has brought to us. One gracious blessing after another. And so this idea of fullness has this idea of there, it is, that there is this completeness, there is lacking nothing. We know that Jesus was the fullness of God, we know that Jesus was the beginning of the fullness of the revelation of God to humanity. And so Paul says, and remember his prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, he was praying for the church and he's saying, look, I'm, just, I'm, I'm coming before the Father, I'm bowing my knees before the Father, so that what might happen is that you could catch... That you could get that the Spirit of God would reveal to you so that you just might be able to comprehend all who Christ is and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So we know that because as a result of the fall of man, man is in this sad state of incompleteness. Yet when Jesus comes, He comes to rectify that. He comes to bring a fullness to our life. I think all of us before we know we knew who Jesus was, we could think our life was all together, but when we come to Christ we realize that we're woefully lacking. There was this incompleteness about who we are. There was a spiritual lack in our life. There's a spiritual aware, a lack of a spiritual awareness in our life. And now that Christ has come, that's no longer there. And so he says, in Christ we, there is this fullness, and it says from his fullness we've all received from it. But he uses this term, we've received his fullness, this grace upon grace. And I, I got to thinking about that, grace upon grace, grace upon grace. What's that stimulate in your mind when you're thinking about that phrase? Uh, Keith? Well, I was just my head when you said that, it says in the Word that God gives here, let me give you a mic. That way it'll catch it. We don't have a runner today, do we? Um, So, like, it says in the word, God gives you grace for today, right? Because tomorrow I have his own trouble, so we have grace for today. So, grace upon grace almost sounds like that. Day after day, as we stay with the Lord, He gives us the grace for that day. Okay. I don't have that mic on, do I? Somebody else? What do you think about grace? We have all received grace upon grace. Anybody else? Abundance, Abundance. Overflowing. overflowing. Okay, I like that. Someone else? Like Keith said, this uh, every day, his mercies are new every morning. I I, I got to thinking about it this way. Grace upon grace. Think about it experientially in your life. Uh, From his fullness, from his coming, from who he is, what he's made available to us as Messiah. So he drew you to himself and he helped you see your need of salvation. You prayed, you received Christ and he forgave your sin. Then... At that moment in time, He broke the power of sin in your life. He gave you a new life. He imparted His Spirit in you. He brought you out of darkness into the light of His presence. He gave you and has given you insight into the things of God. He wrote your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. He gave and gives you power over darkness, and He currently is guiding, teaching, comforting, and protecting you. Grace. Grace. Grace upon grace, just at that moment, but in our lives every day, His mercies new every morning and how God ministers to us in our life. I get this, it's like grace piled on grace. And this morning, and I'm in prayer and I'm thinking about this, and it brought me to Psalms chapter uh, 23, where David said it this way, that the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Well, why shouldn't David... Why shouldn't he want? He goes on to say this: because he gives me rest, he refreshes me, he guides me, he protects me from evil. He he, there is this watch for his watchfulness over my life comforts me. He provides for me. He fills me, and his. Goodness and mercy are always with me. It's like David got that. The fullness of who God was in his life. The fullness of who Christ is in our life. Jesus said to Paul in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, when Paul's saying, man, I, life's tough, and he's going, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. And I love it. He could... He, I, have you ever thought about this? He could have just said, my grace is sufficient. Done. But he, he, he qualified it. He said, my grace is sufficient when? In your weakness. So he, it, grab a hold of the thought that he just didn't say my grace is enough. Because listen... God can say His grace is enough all day long to you when you're in deep despair, and you'll question it all the time. But when He says, My grace is enough for you in your weakness, oh, now that really comes home. Because what's that do? It's not just not that my grace is enough, but my grace, I want you to know that my grace is enough in your weakness. So, in our weakness, what do we do? We turn to Him so that He can be enough for us where we are. And it says that His strength is made perfect in our weakness, qualifying some more. It's just not that I'm sufficient, but I'm sufficient in your weakness. And why am I sufficient in your weakness? Because what happens in your weakness, my strength comes into its own in the midst of your weakness. In other words, there's a void in your life, and when your life gets void, I can move in and fill the void. So I got to thinking about that. This idea of perfect is to make complete by reaching the intended goal. That's what the word means. It's perfected. In other words, to make complete by reaching the intended goal. So what is the intended goal of Christ in me when I'm weak? It's to give us what we need from Him in whatever situation we find ourselves in. So going back to Psalms chapter 23, um, whether it's rest that we need, Or refreshing, or guidance, or protection, or comfort, or provision, or goodness and mercy? See, we have all received from Him. And we do receive from Him. Grace upon grace. Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we just need to pause. Just even in the fact that your life hits you broadside and you have God to turn to. There's all of a sudden something different about that. What happened before you were a believer and life hit you broadside? You were like alone. You're no longer alone. He is with you. You have someone that you can go to no matter what is going on in life. And he is going to be there. He's going to be there grace upon grace. Now think about this Visualize. You are uh, standing in a stream or a river bank, and you're just standing there, and you're just watching the water flow by. You wait there for a moment or two. Is it? Are you still standing in front of a stream? Are you still standing in front of the river? Yes. Is it the same water right then that it was those moments ago? No, that water has passed by, but there is. More coming there's a there's a flow there's a consistency, and I think that sometimes we sometimes fail to see that his mercies, like he said, they are new every morning because his faithfulness is great i I come across these two things that I thought were pretty good uh, somebody i don 't know i didn't write who wrote them but The quotes where grace in simple terms is God's unmerited favor and supernatural enablement and empowerment for salvation and for daily sanctification. In other words, daily God helping us get our life where it needs to be to honor Him. Grace is what every man needs, what none can earn, and what God alone can and does freely give us. Christ's coming. We just, as I've been going through John, I've just—I don't know—I've been every morning. I'm just shaking my head more and more, um, struck again with the reality of the goodness of God uh, toward me. Just not even being able to. It's like I'm. It's like I'm born again, all over again. With all this knowledge and still awed at who God is and what God has done. All these years later, I'm as awed today as I was when I first became to be aware of really what Christ had done in my life. I'm more awed. I'm more awed today than I was then. So, of this grace, there is this endless supply that comes through Christ. So what do we need to do is we need to keep tapping into that. We need to keep being aware of that, the promise that God has given us. Verse 17 goes on to say, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So you could say, strictly speaking, the law referred to the Torah, you know, Genesis through Deuteronomy. But I think in the context, he's really referring to the entirety of the Old Testament especially in view of the fact that the entirety of the New Testament points to who Jesus is. And remember when uh, uh, John is, uh, I think it's John 5, 39, uh, where he's, Jesus is saying, "In in me, you th- in, or in the Scriptures, you think, uh, you, how does it say it? Uh, you search the Scriptures, and in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. And so, he says the law and the prophets, they, you know, Moses brought the law and the prophets. But through Jesus came grace and truth. The law was to point people to Jesus. Now Jesus is here. The law had its part to play, but it wasn't all that God had intended or all that God was going to do. There was more, and the more is in Jesus, and that was that grace and truth. So the law revealed only part of what God's intention was, and Jesus is a fuller, revealing, and I say, I don't say full, yes, it's full, but fuller and why the reason I say fuller is If you look at the scriptures, you know that Jesus was the fullness. But for us, as it's coming to us, and as time unfolds, and as God is doing what He's doing, much yet to be done, there is this constantly fulfilling of. So, we know that Jesus in, in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, it says that Jesus being what? He's the express image of God. He's just this exact copy of who, he, who god is of his substance in his flesh jesus was the tangible expression of the father remember in john chapter 14 where philip is asking jesus he said hey, you know hey just show us the father uh, and it'll, that'll be enough and he said hey, look i've been with you so long have you not known me philip If you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. Now I've been reading, uh, when we started this year for our reading plan, uh, I determined that I was going to read through, we're reading through the New Testament Psalms uh, and Proverbs. And so I always have any time on a reading plan, I'm always grabbing a different version. So this year I decided I'm going to use the New American Standard Bible. And the New American Standard Bible says this, uh, uh, for that verse, it says that, uh, let me just go back up, uh, let me get here, okay, uh, the next verse, John chapter 118, it says, no one has ever seen God, only the only, let's, no one has seen God, the only God who is at the right hand of the Father's side, uh, he has made him known. Some translations say he has declared him to you. This idea of declared is similar to this word exposition. If you think of an exposition, it means to bring things out into the open to help people understand them. And in my reading in the uh, New American Standard, it says he has explained him. So it says nobody's seen the Father, nobody knows the Father but the Son, but the Son has come and He has made Him known, He has declared Him He has, I like this He has explained Him now the Greek word here literally means this this word that these have translated from it means to lead out then to unfold declare by making plain or tell the meaning of something, especially to tell it fully. So John is telling us that when Jesus came, the one who no one has seen God except the only Son who is at His side, He has come, and He has come literally to lead out, to unfold, to declare by making plain or telling the meaning of something, especially to tell it fully. We get the word, we get our word in the English from this Greek word, exegesis. So, if you're theology, if you're doing an exegesis of something, it's when a person interprets a text based solely, solely on what it says. That is, they extract out of the text what is there as opposed to reading into it something that is not there. I got to thinking about that a little bit. When Jesus comes, he just he says, Look, here's the truth. So many times he says, You've heard it said, but I'm telling you. Truly, truly, I say to you. So when you think about this word, this idea that Jesus has, he came to explain, he came to make known, he came to tell us what truly is there, not to read into anything. Matter of fact, when John, in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word was with God, word was God, just bam, here you go, this is what you need to know. And so I got to pondering about that a little bit. And John is, it's like John's going, I'm, I'm going to, Jesus came to give us some details. And, and when I looked this, I, I decided, I thought, you know what, I'm going to look up the word explain. And in the Webster's Dictionary, this is gonna, we're going to have to just slow down a bit to think this through. Uh, I don't know about you, but for me it just started, kept exploding in my head, each one of these definitions. So in the Webster Dictionary, to explain means to make known or clear by providing more detail. Explain yourself. I need more detail. Mine is, uh, talk to me about that. Explain to me. Give me more detail. To make plain or understandable... How many were confused about Jesus, about the law, about His coming? To make plain and understandable. To give the reason for or cause of. To show the logical development or relationship of. To explain implies a making plain or intelligible what was not immediately Obvious or entirely known. That's one really is good. To give a clear and detailed account of the relevant structure, operation, surrounding, or circumstances. I mean, you just read through the Old Testament and Jesus just clarifying so many things. I mean, even before you are a believer, you maybe was raised in church, around church, you have all kinds of thoughts about who Jesus is, and then you open the scripture, and you begin to read, and what does Jesus do? He does that. He just gives you a lot of clarity. He gives some explaining to you. He helps you with an accounting of everything that's relevant. So, there are these synonyms for explain, clarify, Clear up. Define. Demonstrate. Describe. Disclose. Expound. Illustrate. Interpret. Resolve. Solve. Teach. Unfold. So, ponder that for a minute. So, God sent His Son to make Himself known or clear by providing some details. He sent His Son to make Himself known, to make who He is and His tensions more plain and understandable and give the reason for it to show the logical development of it. So if you just ponder it and, and think through it, it's it just all this clarity that John is giving about Jesus. We, we sometimes just, we read through this. And, and we, okay, so God sent Jesus to make him known. No, God sent Jesus just to like, slow down. Let me just sit here and let me give you details. Let me explain. Let me make it more clear to you. Now, I can tell you, each and every one of us, when we spend time and we slow down and we pick up our Bibles, we begin to read, what is it? It is that. It is God just giving us more, making it more plain. He's making it more obvious to us. He's he's given us details, and He's given reasons. I don't know about you, but wow. And then I get to thinking about that. Here's been my challenge through the week, because I've been dealing with this all week long. You're only getting a little bit right here, but I've been going through this all week long, and I've been getting hammered with this. So the only true way to know the Father is through the Son. This is what Jesus, this is this how it came to me. You know, I, I kind of get it this way. The only real way, the only way you can truly know the Father is through the Son. So why are you not pursuing Him? So that was me. It got, I don't know how it's hitting you, but it hit me pretty good. And it, I'm studying it all week, so I got it like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I got it this morning again. And it's this, this challenge to me. If God was making himself known through the Son to provide me some more detail, make it plain and understandable, to give me reasons to show the logical development of it, to explain it more fully, intelligently to me, which is not immediately known to me. Wow, I think there's a lot. There's a lot in here. Let me just close with this thought. You can come up, Levi. Uh, where is, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter, I don't know if it's 11, the end of 11 or the end of 12. You know, it says, he's talking about love. The love chapter is, what chapter is love chapter 13? There you go. Hey, and at the end of it, he goes, Paul says this. He goes, uh, now abide these, faith, hope, and love. So I began to ponder that a little bit. So we know that every man has a past, he's got a present, and he's got a future. And every man has a problem in his past, a problem in his present, and a problem in his future. So the problem of our past is sin. But we know that God demonstrated his love toward us. So this problem with our past, God has an answer to that problem, and the answer is faith, faith in Jesus Christ, in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we have a problem with our future, and our future problem is that we're going to die, right? But God has an answer to that problem also. The answer to that problem is hope. See, we have hope in Christ because of what he has done. And right now we have a problem with... Man has a problem with the present. His present in the darkness of this world, God answers that problem, and it's with His light. The light that Jesus brings that helps us see the love of God toward us in this dark world that is around us. And so we have this wonderful opportunity that we think that just by um, just by being a believer everything's going to come our way I can just sit here and everything's going to come and that's not reality but the reality is that if I will pursue him he will keep helping me see what I don't he'll bring clarity to my life And because of that, what will happen is I'll just keep receiving, keep receiving. What will happen in my life, I'll be benefited. There will just be this grace upon grace upon grace in my life. For all of us, it's a promise. We all have received this. Grace upon grace upon grace. Why have we received it? Because Jesus came. Because Jesus came to make known the Father to declare Him, to explain Him so that we can have an understanding, a greater understanding and not be in darkness about that. Father, I do thank You for who You are and Your goodness toward us. And man, I just, this whole week I've been looking back and thinking of all the missed opportunities and sometimes how we can just be so lackadaisical about who we are and who You are and where we are. I pray that you just kind of just, I don't know, rattle our cages about that some. We have a wonderful opportunity to continue to know you and grow in you and discover your awe and wonder each and every day.